independent, expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening. My name is Joe Armstrong. Welcome to Independence Day. Happy summer. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we are very happy to welcome Tom Freund. Today's music world is filled with exceedingly talented artists who are not easily placed in a stylistic box. Maybe they're too twangy to be categorized as rock, or not commercial or vapid enough to be called pop, or maybe they're just too damn good to fit into the new corporate structure of modern music. Tom Freund is just that kind of artist. He spent the 90s as a member of the indie cult institution The Silos and began releasing albums under his own name in 1998. Since then, he has racked up an impressive list of accolades from rags like the New York Times and the Washington Post and has made music with his musical confidant Ben Harper, as well as artists like Jackson Brown, Greg Leitz, jazz organ virtuoso Jimmy Smith, Graham Parker, Brett Denon, and Mandy Moore. Freund can shift easily between instruments like guitar, piano, ukulele, upright, and electric bass, and sing his insightful and catchy songs in a slightly raspy tenor that wins over even jaded Los Angeles audiences. He has a brand new live album called The Stronghold Tapes, and will be touring internationally to support it. Welcome to Independence Day, Tom Freund. Hey, thanks so much, Joe. It's good to be here. It's good to have you, man. I first met you back, I think it was just towards the end of last year, or was it earlier this year? Has it been that long Freddie Johnston was in town. He's a guy who's been on our show, a common friend, it seems. Love Freddie. And uh, he was playing at Molly Malone's, and you were playing a show with him. That's right. And I was very impressed. Thanks. What you did. It's really, really great. I mean, there's, it's, there are so many artists out there who are doing such work at a high level. And I feel like I've been around the music business a long time, but I'm embarrassed to say I hadn't heard of you. That's okay. And, that but, happens. And, but it was, it was so great. And, and we're going to get a taste of this tonight. One thing I love about what you do, like I really meant that you bounce around between instruments like yeah. a, and a live show. You'll play upright bass, guitar, uh, ukulele, harmonica, like all these things. Yeah. And I remember, this is going to sound funny, but walking into the show, I kept thinking... How is he going to pull this off? Like usually people do that. It's kind of like a parlor trick. Yeah. But it was great. Like, Sweet. What is it that, you know, which of these instruments do you consider to be your primary instrument? Well, well, like none of these in the room. For instance, I started on piano uh, when I was pretty young. But then I started playing guitar simultaneously with the upright bass in New York City. And um, I guess my dad was playing piano, so I would I would. I would do the upright to join him and and learn jazz stuff. And then the guitar, I was just, you know, like every other kid, just learning as much Zeppelin and and Steve Miller Band and whatever else I I could get my hands on the Who, uh, (laughs) ACDC. And then I I veered into also learning, you know, starting to learn jazz and and maybe some inter stuff like Joni Mitchell and stuff as well. So it all started to happen and. Ukulele uh, was was later, last maybe six years, something like that. And now you said you you'd play with your father. Was he well, we a did performing a lot. He, musician? He was, he was a lawyer in New York, but he was really into music, and uh, and he 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 played a lot of music around the house in terms of listening to albums. What was cool is there was a lot of, let's say, uh, you know, folk stuff. Uh, like from Tom Paxton and Bob Dylan and uh, Peter Paul and Mary, and 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 then. Paul Simon and stuff like that, but he was also listening to a steady dose of uh, like Duke Ellington and and uh, jazz, you know, early Miles Davis stuff like that. Yeah, and it seems like with you, it just kind of all went in there. 
because when you listen to your records, you know, I don't want to say, you know, when you say someone's all over the place, it can kind of be construed as a negative thing sometimes, <laughs> yeah. but categorically, categorically, you know, and that, and I think that makes it a challenge for people yeah. to market you. Have you, have you run into like oh, yeah. problems like finding a bin to be and like a bin is a word that is kind of an archaic word. In, uh, I relate to that word, but yes, I know what you mean. It's been, been, it's going to become like an app. Yeah. Now you like the bin app, which, which app, which bin are you in? Um, I think, I think it was, I think there was, um, uh, my first album on, on Red Ant, uh, Mercury label. I think they had trouble like, um, places like NPR and we're, we're doing things. I mean, it's more like an Americana artist or, uh, but then I was also doing some jazz stuff and had Jimmy Smith. And so people are, it was, it was a little bit of a between genres or something, which yeah. I always think is cool. My favorite artists are, that mentioned someone like Joni Mitchell or something, but, um, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Well, you can only really be what you are, Yeah, you know, and, and what you are is very cool. Like I said, we're going to hear this when you play, you play in our studio a little later, you kind of bounce around from instrument to instrument. Yeah. But, brought a couple. And so what, did you also get music from your mom's side of the family too? My mom was great. She was just an avid listener and, and sing, but she was like from Sweden, Sweden. So it was like Swedish folk songs and stuff, but she, she was also pretty into music, but she was, she didn't play herself, but she was, it was around the house for sure. Yeah, and it's it's cool to see people getting things like jazz, you know, or even classical mixed in. Uh, I got I was very fortunate to get to see uh, Steve Martin was in town just oh, great. A, uh, a couple weeks ago at the Bowl with, with the Edie Brickell with thing? the Edie Brickell yeah, yeah. thing and the Steve Canyon Rangers and their fiddle player. I don't know the guy's name, but he is an absolute monster. Wow! And he was on stage, and you know the last song, you know, up super up tempo bluegrass rave up. And, you know, he just kind of, his mic was off to the side and he was just blazing. Wow. It was obvious because, you know, the bluegrass players can blaze yeah. onto themselves, but it was obvious the guy had some classical training on wow. top of it. Um, and, you know, when you mix the two together, it's like you get guys like him and Chris Thiele and, yeah. you know, heavy, heavy hitters. Yeah, Chris is heavy. Um, so, you know, you're, you've been doing music out here in California for a while. You came from New York originally. What was it that brought you west? Um, it's, a, it's a funny story. I had always sort of dreamed of coming west to pursue the music but also i i was at a point where i had accumulated sort of two years of college and i think my parents put it to me hey you know this isn't going to last forever that we'll cover your college so if you want to get on it get on it so i picked i picked california for my last and not far from here claremont colleges okay. uh pitzer college out here uh and i did my last two years out here and and spied on the LA music scene simultaneously. Yeah. Claremont is probably pretty good. You're just far enough away yeah. to like not get distracted by it in college. Cause I know yeah. if I'd gone to college in a place like LA, I mean, I'd probably still be in undergraduate school. It was <laughs> right close now. and it was close and far. Yeah. It was far enough that you wouldn't just saunter in, but I would definitely go in to check out shows. And as the second year of, I had two more years to go when I came out here, I started playing gigs in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Did you study music in school? I, I I I did a little. I and I I went to uh, I went to the uh, Feuboldur Feuboldur famous uh, Berkeley College of Music, but just for one year. Did you? I went to Berkeley College yeah. of Music as well. Yeah. When were you there? Oh, uh, God, I can't even bring up dates like that. Eighty uh, nine. Mm-hmm. Was it spring or fall of eighty nine? I'm curious because I um, was there. I I I did it over a year, but I started like at. Christmas. I went from Christmas to Christmas. Okay. So yeah, you might have been there at That's the same hilarious. time. 
<laughs> Derek so passed you in the hall woodshedding. In, indeed. You know, who else was there at the same time? You know Derek? <laughs> exactly. You know Derek Sivers? Sivers? No, He's the know. guy who founded Oh, CD. Derek Sivers. Yeah, Sivers, yeah. Okay, yeah. I didn't know how to say his name. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, oh, he, was he there? CD Baby founder. He was yeah. there at the same time. I oh, knew God. him. I was in his room in his Seymour Duncan. Remember the amp with the convertible tubes? You could put in like yeah. different types of tubes to get different <laughs> tones. His amp blew up in his room and I happened to be walking past and we put it out with a bucket full of water. Oh, it literally went up. Yeah, flames. went up in flames in his dorm room. <laughs> Berkeley's such a funny scene. I mean, it was I, very funny. I, I had already, the reason I didn't stay there is I was already working in like off-Broadway theater and doing stuff in New York right out of high school because I went to this, this music and art high school in New York and that's where I was also doing like jazz ensemble but also like just playing rock music too and the mix, you know. But I started getting into theater work, and I had gigs. And then all of a sudden, I was at Berkeley. I was like, "What am I doing here?" Like, I, I actually, yeah, all these folks are trying to get gigs. I had gigs, like, so and I, I yeah. went back. I still learned a ton, a bucket of stuff there, though. In that one year, I mean, I can imagine if I went the full, yeah, thing. But I, um, I didn't really do it in other schools, and out in Claremont, I, I guess I did a little, little bit classical and. Some jazz stuff, but I I mostly I studied English literature okay. mostly. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. That's uh, you see a lot of that in music. Don Henley was in a lit major, yeah. and I think Jason Isbell, who almost finished, he was going to college in Memphis. He was studying like literature okay. as well, but he, you know, just came out in an article recently. I guess he's one credit shorter, one like oh. he's like one. Uh, PE like PE credit. Can literally, he mail it in. That's like stuff you have bad dreams about. That's yeah. like like I still have the nightmare of I didn't study for the French final and. Yeah. Um, that's terrible. Yeah. He's that close. Yeah. Well, he's doing okay, though. I mean, he, I think he's doing all right. He, he wound up in drive-by truckers. And, it's a good and, story, too. Dude. Yeah. Hey, I've got one credit. Just so you know, I'm one credit. I, I didn't need to get it, but I could have. <laughs> I have a friend like that who graduated from my college. Uh, very, uh, She's an actress. Uh, she's done very, very well for herself, better than most people from the from, – uh, from the school and she left in the middle of her final semester to take a TV or take a movie role. Yeah. And she's very uh very put out because the school won't give her like just won't finish off the degree. Like she's uh. she she feels as if she's certainly, you know, she's made a living at it for, you know, 15 20 years and she's you know has a bone to pick with the school because they won't just give her the degree no i guess i can see both sides of the story yeah both sides but, but come on there should be a little like clause yeah if you've got if you've made a living at it, if you've got gigs that's the whole point right <laughs> is to work in that discipline that's why i went out of boston yeah <laughs> so, so do you think do you think being an english lit major did that does it affect your writing is that kind of I why think so. you i think i was always major? in search of lyrics so i think <clears throat> by doing English lit, I was just exposing myself to tons of different kinds of writing. And a lot of English lit also meant I was studying African literature and I just, all over the place, you know, who were, South who were, American. Uh, in, your, in, in college, who were your favorite authors? And, and what are they now? It's t- Well, it's tough to say. In, in college, I went into this whole, like, crazy James Joyce and Virginia Woolf, like, it's very, you know, world. Very collegiate. Yeah. And, and, and it was great because the writing is so good. I mean, of course, you can't necessarily use a lot of that stuff, but it's... It's sort of, sort of, certainly, certainly expanding my brain in some ways, while doing equal parts, messing my brain up in college. Of with course, other things I was, you know, trying to expand. What's, there's a rich <laughs> tradition of that in uh, in the arts, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> you are certainly not alone. How about now? What artists or what uh, what authors do you read now that you really it's like? It's funny. I I just I re I just grab I grab stuff now with no rhyme or reason. I mean, I, I, there's no like I'm not seeking stuff out. I still. I still go back to like Burroughs books and uh, Kerouac, and I and and I reread some of that stuff, and I, I, uh, 
for some reason, I, th- the, I thought that was brilliant, even though it was translated, those Stieg Larsson, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo things, I couldn't put down all, all three of those and on tour and stuff. So yeah. it's, a, it's a wide variety of stuff. And here's a, here's a strange inside reader's question, because I'm a reader as well. Do you read paper books, or do you read on like an iPod or Kindle kind of thing? I don't like, do Kindle at all. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't excite me to get to it, I don't think. It, uh, I it makes still like uh, grabbing, yeah. uh, especially traveling as much as they do, getting to a hotel room or something is one of the few joys. I mean, uh, sort of getting back to your book at night and yeah, yeah, you can't. I read get... the great, that great. Uh, just recently read the autobiography Pete Townsend was oh, terrific. Yeah. yeah, you can't get distracted. Like when I'm reading a book, I can't be distracted by the fact that the book can also take me to uh, CNN or you know, buy something or check Facebook or whatever. When I'm reading the book, I'm in the book. And that's, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons I like reading paper books. There's still no on and off day. switch. There's good. no switch. I don't have to worry about the battery going <laughs> dead. I mean, I guess if it's dark, but you know, that's a small problem. Yeah, I'm not knocking it. I think that's cool. I just, I haven't been drawn to do that. I figure yeah. I'm on, I figure I'm zoning on a screen so much anyway. Why yeah. do the book part? Indeed. That? Indeed. My guest tonight on Independence Day is Mr. Tom Freund. We are talking literature. We're talking music. <laughs> we're talking making music in Venice in Southern California. I'm very, very happy to have him. Let's give a little listen to a track from what is your most recent studio record. Yep, from and The Edge of Venice. From yep. The Edge of Venice, which came out in 2011, which seems like only yesterday. I don't, yeah, as I was saying, was it 2011? Yeah, okay. Felt yeah, like last year. But exactly. Yeah. And you've got a brand new live record as well. We'll yeah. talk about that Sweet. when we come back. Thanks. But for now, Cruel, Cruel World, Tom Freund from The Edge of Venice yep. on Independence Day. Trying to wake up and get on out of my bed It's a cruel, cruel world inside my head It's a cruel, cruel world inside my head Bloody Marys aren't very bloody That's not what Mary said She had a boy named Jesus Without even getting out of bed It's a cruel, cruel world Inside my head It's a cruel, cruel world Inside my head
Tom Freund with Cruel, Cruel World from what is his most recent studio record, The Edge of Venice, came out in 2011. Like I said, seems like only yesterday. (laughs) My name is Joe Armstrong. This is Independence Day. Every week I bring you artists from around the country, around the world, and around Los Angeles that are doing great things, and Tom is most certainly doing great things. We're so happy to have him live in our studio tonight. If you want to learn about him not live in the studio, drop by his website, which is TomFreund.com, and that's Freund is F-R-E-U-N-D. You can find him on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Tom Freund Music. Also, you can find him on Twitter at Tom Freund. And he's playing, he's got live dates coming up here around the Southland as well as in Europe. If you happen to be in Germany, uh, it's a good time to go see Tom Freund. Mm-hmm. So, um, from New York, you wind up in Los Angeles. Tell yeah. me about how the Silos thing came about. They so were kind I, of like indie darlings, kind of yeah, a culty they band. Yeah, when I met them, they were super cruising, cult, cult faves all across the... What year was that about? So, that was uh, 90... 93. Okay. 93. Uh, I was uh, just out of school, just uh, graduated, basically. And I think um, literally at a barbecue, maybe a month after that. And uh, LA, you know, it's very funny. It's all barbecues, right? That's yeah. where you meet your whole connect, your whole connective people for the next decades. Um, <clears throat> I found that out right away, right out of school. And, um, Got in a jam with these guys. There were some guys from Poi Dog Pondering that I had known for some reason. I had met some guys in that band, a drummer, Darren Hess. And then uh, I was at, found myself at this barbecue, and uh, Walter, the lead of the styles, we jamming on something like Willin' or something, some song like that. And I was playing some bass, and he said, hey, we're <laughs> leaving on a, a, a giant U.S. tour um, in, in like, six days do you want to go <laughs> this is one of those stories like okay this yeah. and this is where your life will go now yeah what were you i mean so you're right out of school were you did you have a job already like what I, were you doing? I, I yeah i think i was working at uh on franklin um a place called the daily planet a newsstand on franklin okay. in hollywood yeah so did you mean was it a big deal to be like hey i'm skipping town it was to just classic i couldn't even do any sort of anything normal i knew right away then okay right away you're gonna do some like you're just gonna go on tour right okay just don't even try to and of course whenever i would land back in la i would try to house sit at someone's house and try to get a job and but it, yeah. would, it would sort of never it would always music would always win <laughs> that's a good yeah, that's it's a, a good thing, thing yeah man. it's a good thing it's just funny i was always trying to like yeah grab something you know yeah and so and you've been uh we're, okay well, let's back step to the silos again were you were they touring in a van at that point did they have like a winnebago like well, what was, le- what like level a, it was a van and i'll tell you though we we made good money though we were equal breaking it up equally and uh a lot of hard travel, but we were gigging every night and making good guarantees, and like the money was very decent. It's better than today, yeah. In terms of a of a a band with the same success, would just I don't even know. It's it's just a different format today. Yeah. It's a di- first of all getting in a van 
and traveling across the U.S. with all the gas that it burns is is an unbelievable feat. Gas You're paying is all the guys, and the clubs are paying less. It's, it's the whole thing's weird. It was it was actually a high time. It was a pretty good gig. Yeah. Yeah. What I was saying was, you know, gas has gotten significantly more expensive. I feel like everything has gotten more expensive, and yeah. except for like cheap disposable stuff like socks and you know non-durable <laughs> contact goods, lenses, contact lenses, stuff like that. Yeah, is cheap. yeah, it, it's gotten really my my whole thing. Besides, when I go to Europe, Europe, I I actually have like a little team. I have a tour manager and uh, some musicians over there, and and a booking agent. So it's more of a team for me. I go over there. I can do it more like travel and do it and knock it out uh here i just fly into areas of the u.s and hopefully grab a uh uh a band like i have guys in austin i play with i have guys in new york i play with and uh sometimes guys in chicago it's like i fly in and play like six dates around the area and fly back i mean the idea of just zooming across the u.s in a van is just i don't i guess if I would do it if it really added up, but it it hasn't added up like that. And how many dates these days are you are you doing a year, just on average, ballpark? You think I'm so bad with this, and I try not to focus on it too much because sometimes if I'm out a lot, I get really tripped out. I, I if I think about the numbers, you know. But um, it it I don't know. I I I God, I don't know. Some years it's over a hundred, and some okay. years, yeah, some years it's like. 80. You know. Okay, but that's significant, though. That's it's not like, you know, because there's, there's a wide range, I guess, yeah. is what I'm getting at. And some people who say, yeah, I'm out all the time, you know, they're really out 50 dates a year. Yeah. You know, which in some circles is kind of a lot, depending yeah. on the logistics of the band. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, for some people, you know, like Fish or <laughs> yeah, back in right. the day a or deal. a band, you know, who's really a road dog band. Yeah. You well, know. It's weird. I go in spurts like this, this when I started this. If as of just right after January, I went to Europe uh, for like twenty dates, and then uh, did uh, U.S., Texas, uh, Mexico, F- Mexico Festival in Zihuatanejo, and then back to Europe when I, I w- opened for this guy Angus Stone from Australia. And we did like thirty dates in a row. I mean, so it's like it, already I racked up like you know, and then I took like then I haven't been playing much. I've been playing maybe yeah. once a week since then, but then now I'm about to go back out again. So. I, I guess somewhere in the vicinity of 100 yeah. dates it might be at the end. And yeah. then when it comes to, you know, making a living at doing this, I'm not mm-hmm. looking for numbers here, specific numbers, but in terms of percentages, are you making most of your money from performing or from uh, sales these or days, licensing? Well, or licensing licensing for sure, and I, I've been doing some jingle work too at a, a really cool company called Mophonics. And so I've been doing some – jingle stuff there i've been doing some licensing stuff just steadily with all my catalog and and i have some like library music stuff that's gone in a couple of companies one's called Stephen arnold just a bunch of stuff going on simultaneously but 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 the majority like when i go to europe and japan um is is where i can make i go to europe twice a year for instance because uh, i can make tangible yeah. money there and uh here in the U.S., I I can do it. It's just it's a it's a harder road for sure. It's not it's not as sprawled out for me. And and over there, it, it's done up a little nicer. It always just I mean to get into the logistics yeah. of it, 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 in, it includes nice food and nice hotel every night, which is just in the U.S. You're just battling for yourself all the time. <laughs> There's no yeah. like inclusion of events, you know. Yeah. Over there, it's pretty. It's dialed in more, you know. Yeah, I feel like the arts are woven into their culture at a at a 
higher level than it is yeah. here. We, we we talk about supporting the arts, but I don't think we do really. No, there's not the same. I mean, respect is a strong word, but it's true. I mean, you just get more respect over there when you play. Somehow, you're like they're welcoming you. Yeah, that's almost a New York <laughs> here. You get yeah. you get a little beat up here, you know. <laughs> well, not only that, like I can remember when I lived in New York City. I flew back to Chicago for like a high school reunion or something of that nature. And I remember flying into Chicago on like a Friday afternoon. I think I got downtown. I met a friend downtown in the Loop, which is like the heart of Chicago, yeah. like the business district. Yeah. And I got down there, you know, it was like maybe 1.30. So it was after lunch. And it, was, it felt like a ghost town compared to New York. And, you know, that was the first time I noticed the stark contrast between the two cities. Like in Chicago, if you don't have a regular job, working regular hours when people work, you're almost you're looked down upon a little bit. Yeah. Whereas in New York, it's totally acceptable <clears throat> to have a doing crazy job doing whatever At in the weird arts. hours. Weird yeah. hours. And L.A. is a little more like that, too. I think I'm a little more comfortable in places. Yeah, because the entertainment. Yeah. yeah it's all it's the entertainment's all over the map. So people are generally yeah. uh, they could they could roll into a. Starbucks at noon for their uh, morning coffee and, yeah. and and email check. Yeah, yeah, and still actually be accomplishing and things. They still be and getting stuff and not looked down, not looked at weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. I mean, there's working people here too, and I'm not saying these people don't work, but it's a different schedule. You know, you it's, know what's better about the Chicago working thing though is that, well that that's an that's an unusual city that in Minneapolis and like Seattle. Um. Those people really come out to concerts too. I mean, Chicago's great. People go out in, uh, you know, Minneapolis or something. They go out four nights a week to hear music. So yeah. there's, there, it's a good. It's good when the, the one kind of working, town also equals like they want to go see music town. That's yeah. pretty good because here there's not a lot of civilians. I call them here. There's yeah. just like everyone's in the business. You don't know really if they're going to go see other bands. Yeah. It's also, you know, coming, that's my raisin, as they say, Chicago. I mean, they work hard and they play hard. You know, it's, there's, there's less mix between the two. It's yeah. like they, they're, they work and they go home and then they go, you know, they work and they, they, they play hard too. Yeah. You know. Um, so let's, I, I want to hear more about Europe touring. I'm very curious cool. about this. But first, I want you to play a tune for us. All right, which sure. which instruments it's gonna, is it going to be first? I'm going to start uh, with a song on the guitar. I'll start with a song from the same Edge of Venice record. Uh, this is a pretty West Side song about some characters in my neighborhood. I imagine you live in the Venice area yeah. of Los Angeles, which for those of you who are not from Los Angeles, is kind of like Land's End. Yeah, it's kind of where you you can't go any farther west in LA. Like the, you can go yeah, to the Santa end, Monica, end of the ten, yeah. Go to Santa Monica and turn left. Yeah, and you're in Venice, and yeah. and there's 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 freaky people in Venice. Absolutely, right? there's some characters. I mean, a lot of people go think go right to the boardwalk and think of that scene, which is a whole other scene. But uh, there's freaky people all over Venice. It's it's. It's it's cool. It's still remained cool. Cool gathering of people yeah. somehow. Well, there's freaky good and freaky bad. I'm not yeah. insinuating. That no, I get it. It's I all get it, one yeah. or the other. But <laughs> but I, I really have always felt that like you know, original people who are drawn to the edges of things. Yeah. You know, they want to be on the edge, and like I, I get the feeling myself when I stand on the beach. I it is palpable to me that I'm at the end of my habitat. Yeah. As a human. End of the line. And yeah. that's it. You know, I mean, I can go out in a boat or fly out in a plane or I can swim out as far as yeah. I can go, but like that's it. I can't. I, I can't live there really. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's a very invigorating feeling, and I think a lot of people are drawn to things like that. And mountains yeah. are somewhat similar in a way. Yeah. In a, but it's like a different flavor of the same thing. So tell me just a little bit about this tune. Okay, so yeah, this is just uh, definitely about some people, uh, people in my hood. Um, 
uh, I'm not a big surfer myself, but I have a lot of friends who are, and uh, <laughs> I've seen some. It's just a sort of it's sort of like a relationship uh, story Look, from the outside looking yeah. in. <laughs> All right, so this is Tom Freund on Independence Day with a live track. So happy to have him. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's in love with a wounded surfer boy. Don't want to hear about any other noise other than when he's coming round again and again and again and again. That's all right by her Yeah, 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 yeah She drives by in a gray Mercedes Benz He's on the payphone talking to someone else She tells her friends he's mine, all mine in time you'll see he'll stay with me and that's all right by him yeah 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 she waits by the liquor store Cause she knows he's gonna go in And she knows she's gonna go in As well She just can't help herself Whoa, 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 whoa She's in love with the wounded surfer boy Don't wanna hear about any other noise other than when he's coming round again around on a skateboard made of wood he's got no car no house to call his own but that's all right he'll find some place to stay tonight and that's all right by her she's in love with a wounded surfer boy don't want to hear about any other noise Other than when he's coming round again Coming round again Whoa, 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 whoa I said wounded surfer boy 
I'm a Freund here on Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong, so very happy to have him. You can learn about him at TomFreund.com, T-O-M-F-R-E-U-N-D. Also follow him on Twitter at TomFreund. You can also follow us at InDepthDay Day and drop by InDepthDay.com to see all of our wonderful, wonderful artists. And we are so very happy to add Tom to their legion. So, man, you've come all the way to Pasadena from from Venice Pasadena, to talk man. about this, and I love that tune that's on the most recent record. Yeah, yeah. And and you know when I listen to that tune, I think of Randy Newman. Sweet, because you know he's that guy. He, I feel like there's a few songwriters who capture that simple. It seems simple on the surface, but it's a, it's, there's a lot of depth to it. <laughs> you know, and it, it's right. like simple phrases that kind of roll yeah. off the tongue, but then they allow the listener to kind of fill in the images themselves, you know, and I'm wondering, you know, there's, there's, another, there's another name that comes up in a lot of artists or a lot of reviews I read about you. It's Tom Waits. Oh, okay. It seems to come up again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And how does, I mean, how does that make you feel? Like these guys, these are storied songwriters. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I think that's, um, I don't have trouble with either of those two. <laughs> yeah. I guess I don't have trouble with anyone, you know, it's a, um, I guess also on different instruments, people get different things yeah, when true. I play the bass. Maybe it gets more of a bluesy uh, um, Tom Waitsian thing, but it may also be just the way I, 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 I turn a phrase or something. You know, yeah, something, something that some way of looking at stuff. Who are you know? We talked about kind of just general styles growing up that you really really liked. Uh, the, you know, the jazz mixed in there. You know, what artists were key for you? Like, like when you were in high school, like, or, or a time when it was your musical vocabulary was being developed. Yeah, it was a wide array. I mean, it's always hard for me for when people say name your top. You know, people. I mean, a lot of times I'll just quickly say Led Zeppelin and Joni Mitchell. You know, and okay, to to just sort of create something. But then there's God, there's there's so many people like uh, Neil Young and and Leonard Cohen and Dylan and I'm you know I loved Steely Dan was really important for me growing up. Um, I mean, it just depends what period I went through. You know, I went through. So I definitely I'll tell you what I missed. What I didn't get is I sort of missed the whole '80s music. I, I was about Talking Heads was about as far into. The '80s music as I got, I just I couldn't relate to a lot of the stuff that was coming out. No U2. Oh, U2 a little bit. Funny, not a lot though. Yeah, not a lot. I got I like them. I know it's like uh, it's real. Uh, what's the word? It's really like uh, dangerous to say that. But no, I, I, it's funny. I never became a huge U2 fan. Um, I, I didn't I didn't I didn't dislike them. I just but I was thinking more like band you know the Duran <laughs> Duran scene that was happening and coming out in the in the eighties mid eighties. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I wasn't getting it at all, and I was I was either like jamming on uh, ACDC or like jazz stuff. It's a weird okay. as I said a weird uh, parameter, but uh, I couldn't couldn't. There was some some music I couldn't get into in that in that thing. Yeah. At what point did you find your own voice? Like, as a because when did you start writing pretty young? Because that's that's that was always a key point for musicians is when they, they they're listening to their influences because it's everybody's earliest songs seems to me generally kind of sound like their influences. Yeah. And then at some point, either it's a conscious or unconscious decision or a subconscious decision that all of a sudden you kind of, you know, some people I guess maybe never do. But some artists like yourself, for example, who does find their own voice, like was it a conscious thing? Did you know, like, hey, okay, now I'm me. Now I'm doing my thing, and I'm not going to sing like Louis Armstrong anymore I think, or whatever. Uh, it's funny. I think uh, it was right around the time 
I was discovering myself a little bit in uh, in Claremont, and actually, um, weird because in that time, before I did any other of my own records, me and Ben Harper did a duo record called Pleasure and Pain, and I was starting to write a lot of stuff right then. And um, but I, my, I was singing it kind of. You can hear it if you go look up Pleasure and Pain album. It's a it's a trip. I wasn't really coming into my full voice yet. And then I started traveling with the silos, and I think during that time I was really writing. And any any opportunity on the road, I was just like getting these songs out. And uh, I, then I think I started to get my my real own own voice, you know, with them. And um, it's a good question. It makes me think of how. how and and I was the influences were different there. I was and, and certainly growing up, the one person I forgot to mention was Taj Mahal. There was a lot of Taj Mahal in my life, and and and. Uh, Stuff like that that was it was beautiful and stuff at the Philadelphia Folk Festival and it was all kind of mixed in. But um, and then sort of when I was traveling in the silos, I was I was all of a sudden we were playing gigs with Matthew Sweet and Guided by Voices and and uh, also I was getting turned on to all this other music and then then I went back into the part of the '80s that I missed, um, you know some some. Uh, some great bands. I'm just I'm spacing out right now. The Breeders came out of uh, Mizzic Belly and the Breeders. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. The Breeders. Kim Deal. Kim Deal came from what band before? I'm just telling total blank right now. Uh, she came out of yeah. Anyway, I, I started getting into and and the replacements. I started filling in some blanks of music that I just didn't. I it was just wasn't in that scene. But then I was like, oh wow, there was some really good stuff yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of bands like you know, Surfer Rosa. What what uh, what band put that album out? Wow. Okay. Well, like the Jayhawks got their start sure. in the eighties. The uh, Uncle Tupelo got yeah. their start in the eighties. You know, so there's there's good stuff that did come out of there. I mean, the whole Reagan era thing. Yeah, there to be was. Kind of I just wasn't. Though. Yeah, I wasn't tuned into that yet. So it wasn't until later I started getting tuned into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, and we never did. I, I wanted to hear more about uh, touring in Europe. We'll come back. I want yeah, to. Sure. How about another tune? Uh, yeah, for us? Sure. What are you going to oh, play for us? The Pixies. Ah, yes, the Pixies. I have stories about. <laughs> the Pixies. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's all interconnected, man. Yeah. So, what, this new is this a new tune? What's this going to yeah, be? Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like doing a song that's not on a record yet, but will be, and it's a song I had to do that I wrote um, around hurricane season last oh, year. Oh, nice. We love uh, we love having tunes, new tunes on Independence Day. So, what's uh, this is called? Mind of your own. Okay, so this is Tom Freund in Independence Day. So happy to have him in our studio. Autumn winds are blowing Like a wave up in the air I've been pulling my wagon all day But you don't seem to care You got ears of steel, baby And they don't bend you only hear what you want to hear And baby, that's the end But you won't take my advice So what does it matter? I 
Chances are looking dim You gotta hit this shot with all you got And maybe you'll just win September sun Yes, it shines on everyone But it only warms the hearts of those that stay open uh-huh. But you won't take my advice So what does it matter? I just try and be your friend All you do is scatter Back into your shell You got a mind of your own And I hope it serves you well Lost our house And with it Everything But you will take My advice So what does it matter I just try And be your friend All you do is scatter Back into your You got a mind of your own You got a mind of your own You got a mind of your own This we can tell You got a mind of your own And I hope it serves you well
Tom Freund here on Independence Day with a brand new song, a beautiful song, man. Thank you. Thanks very it's, much. It's very, very nice. I love, uh, I, I've always loved quiet music. Sweet. You know, it's like I, I, I love ACDC, honestly, yeah. as well. Yeah, me too. I uh, saw Living Color this spring. Oh, be great. They did the anniversary tour for uh, Vivid. Oh, wow. blew the place in half. It was amazing. But there's something about- Vernon Reed, right? Vernon Reed. Yeah, I got to meet <laughs> Vernon once. Yeah. Cool, cool cat. Vernon Reed, I come up with like that. Pixies was harder. <laughs> <laughs> Corey Glover, uh, Will Calhoun. Jeez, and that's right. Muzz Skillings was the original bass player, but wow. then they got uh, the other guy- uh, the guy whose name is escaping me, but uh, I saw him once at uh, CBGB's, and uh, see, I did get out and see some music back then um, that I liked, and I liked that, and I saw him uh, open for the Stones a I couple years later too. Yeah, I saw him at Alpine Valley Music Theater. People were not giving him love, though. I tell you, there was yeah. some hardcore Stones fans that were crusty. They were not. They were not totally digging it. Yeah, well, that's jeez. I mean, that's <clears> like <throat> those are two very disparate yeah. bands, stylistically speaking. Yeah. But anyways, that's a beautiful, beautiful song, and it's it's, it's uh, going to be on a new record coming out. Yeah, at some point. I got a new record. I'm, I'm a, I like midway through a new record. Um, um, I think all the songs are there, but it's, uh, it's just finding time to record in different yeah. places to record, and the, the usual. Yeah. I might do one of these pledge campaigns. I might finally yeah. campaign my life away. That was going to be my. <clears> next. I've been really hesitant to do those Kickstarter yeah. pledge things, but I think I think I think it's time. So, but how up until now? It's time for me to beg. <laughs> indeed. How, how have you been financing records? Because you're fairly prolific. I mean, you look yeah. back at your discography. I mean, going back to '98, you've got you know ten or so credits on here. You know, so yeah. how have you been financing things up to you know, well, you know this, in the pre-Kickstarter world? Luckily, I have um, I have a lot of friends in the business that uh, play with me and and have studios and stuff like. There's a lot of that and finding uh, finding the right situations, right deals. Um, um, sometimes I've gotten a little funding from, from outsiders. Um, sometimes I'll, uh, I'll take a, a European record advance and do something yeah. with it, even though I've already done the record. <laughs> Let's put it back into the, <laughs> the debt pile. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, sorry, Netherlands. Um, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I just got to do what I got to do. So I, I yeah. do, I, I, you know, it's rare that, um, uh, my last two records were done. My last two records are interesting because Ben Harper produced uh, "Collapsible Plans." That may be the song I'll do on the upright from uh, from from that record. And he, uh, we worked at a cool studio known as the Village in L.A. It's a, but we sort of did it in a really small room there, that that like a mix room, and uh, just every, everyone was so sweet. The people at the Village were sweet. Ben was really sweet. They just really did it for the love of it. And then we we would see where it would go and see. How we would disperse some money later. It wasn't like yeah. an issue at the time. It was really, um, um, I mean, obviously I had to put out some money, but it was it was very very minute compared yeah. to. I mean, it really did the album quickly, and and um, we I think we did it in a whole thing top to bottom in ten days, two spurts of five days, which I think is pretty quick these days. Yeah. So, so unless you were Elton John, you know, back in the day, and yeah. pulled off those records in like eight days. The, well, the, well, John Mellencamp was always yeah. renowned for that too. Like yeah. he would blast through a record in no time <laughs> at all. You know, everyone's got a different. Everyone's got a different yeah. working schedule. You know, and the economies of scale have changed so yeah. drastically. You know, the big, the big advances aren't happening anymore. Yeah, you know, my first, stu- my first deal, I got a sizable advance, and and uh, basically what started as a. You know, crazy numbers. It started as a hundred and fifty thousand dollar budget for a record, and then my lawyer actually negotiated into that an unlimited budget. I think it went above that. I mean, it's just 
crazy stuff that just it doesn't seem that long ago. That was ninety eight. More crystal that deal, but Jesus, yeah. <laughs> more crystal yeah, for lunch. Must have more all right. And a a good well as Jimmy Smith wanted a deli plate. Yeah, we got a deli plate. <laughs> um <clears throat> Which he didn't touch, but he yelled at people when they touched it. I'll be in my trailer. I can't work in these conditions. <laughs> and then uh, and then my new record, let's <laughs> nicely get off track here. My new, uh, The Edge of Venice was done with a close friend of mine who's also a wonderful producer named John Alasia, who's, who's worked with everybody, like he did Room for Squares with Mayer and um, Jason Mraz and Dave Matthews. He's been working with Dave forever. And uh, he and I are just uh, good buddies and we collaborate on stuff. I've played on records that he produces too. I played on uh, this guy Josh Kelly's and Rachel Yamagata's new record I played bass on, Upright and Electric. And so I do records with him too, but we we just together decided to make a record, a suite, because he's a a, a big, well-known producer, big producer, and he, he invited me to make a record in his studio at The Village also, another small room there, but a, but a great... So that's part of how that's done too. So obviously some people had to get paid, but we're working on the back end of it. Yeah. And a lot of people work with like a sliding scale. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised like how many people, once if, you know them, of course. Like the music, if yeah, they like the music. And if they like the music and if they know you and, and if there's a, a, thing, a way to work it out so that as it goes and something gets yeah. placed, you can pay out more yeah. too and stuff. Yeah. Now, do you record at home at all? I do. And I just, I just recently, uh, I mean, I, I used to do, but mostly for demos, but just recently I've, since I've been doing some of this jingle work in L.A. Uh, with this company, Mophonics, I, I got a studio now in, the, in Venice um, that I go into, and I while I do that stuff and some soundtrack stuff, I continue to... I can work on my songs for an album simultaneously, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's not really home recording, but it, it is in a sense. It's it's my own studio, yeah. You can do a lot with a little. That's one thing yeah. that's cheaper. Yeah, you know, boy, I didn't have to get a lot of gear at all. I mean, you know, you I'm, can... I'm sharing the room with it with a cool band called Filiger, too. Yeah. Uh, and and they brought in some gear, and I, I just basically had to buy uh, uh, one of these conversion uh, Pro Tools gear. And that yeah, like was an it. interface? Yeah. Just start going. Interface, yeah. Apollo, yeah, that's just Apollo it. thing, and then it was, I was cruising. Yeah, for like, for like five grand which really isn't that yeah, much you money. You can get it all, you, uh, you can up and running hard. You can get essentially everything you need. Yeah. Probably even less than that if you had to do it on the cheap. But even if, yeah. even if you went and paid full pop for everything. Yeah, yeah, five grand, you can get everything going. You got the speakers and your interface and your uh, one. All you need is like really one good mic, maybe solid two. Solid mic. Yeah. You know, it's 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 fascinating to me that how part's this cool. Changed. I dig that. And I dig, even when I work on this new record, I've started working on other people's studios that get great drum sounds. And again, they're people I know and have worked with before, but then I can bring it to my studio and I can do stuff and I can have friends casually come in and sing on stuff in, in, in the comfort of my studio, really mellow and at, yeah. at any time, no rush on the time. And Yeah. Yeah, I, that's the way I did my whole last project too. We recorded the band live, yeah. like in a room with you know everything separated out, instruments and amps in different rooms and such, but played live together yeah. and then just brought that hard drive home plugged it into the Pro Tools rig in my living room. Crazy. And did all our overdubbing on our own yeah. time. Now, it was kind of bad because it took us till the end of time because we had no, there was nobody <laughs> were, mining under the, the clock. Gun. Under the gun can be good sometimes. You yeah. know, and, but you know, but there was a guy in the band, he was in medical school while we were doing the record. Yeah. And it's like, oh, can you come over this weekend? Yeah, and we'll, we'll do 10 hours worth of work. But then we yeah. wouldn't work for two weeks. And so in some ways, it's, it's a double-edged thing. You yeah. Know, it kind of works either way. But, uh, you know, we still haven't talked about touring in Europe. And I also want to talk about your relationship with Ben Harper as well because he's a guy that most people 
people know. Yeah. You know, he's done, made some pretty big waves in the music business. But first, how about another tune? We've gone a long sure. time without some music. Sure, why don't I do one, since I brought this thing all this way, let's do one on the upright bass. All right. One of my f- I'll do a... Um, Comfortable in Your Arms from the Collapsible Plans record. Nice. One of my favorite instruments, the bull fiddle, as Sweet. I like to call it. The bow fiddle, I like that. The bull. B-U-L-L. Bull. Oh, bull. Bull. Yeah, bull I like fiddle. that. Like a... Yeah. yeah I don't know. Like I picked a bull it up. in a china shop. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, like it. That. Bull fiddle. So this is Tom Freund in Independence Day. He's going to play us a track on the bull fiddle. He's going to sing, too. Can't wait to hear this. Yes. Cheers. I've never been one much for Saturday night It's just an overblown bundle of hype But when I get home and I turn out the light Said I know that's just when I was feeling alright I've already thought about it twice I've already forgotten how nice it was to be comfortable in your arms, to be comfortable in your arms. Anymore I left my TV up on the sidewalk And I gave my bed to someone who needed it more I thought I'd have a hard time leaving like I did But that's just when I was feeling alright I've already thought about it twice And I've already forgotten how nice it was To be comfortable in your arms to be comfortable in your
left your house like a broken down cowboy And I cried on your doorstep And I rode into the sun I had a flat tire About a hundred miles out And I called you back up Said I'd like to think about it I've already thought about it twice I've already forgotten how nice it was To be comfortable in your arms To be comfortable in your arms That is very, very nice, man. I don't know if I have superlatives enough to describe how cool it is to have you playing the upright right bass on, and singing like that in our studio. And I can obviously, it's it's obvious when you hear that where people draw the Tom Waits comparisons to. Yeah. It's kind of like a gritty, <clears throat> gritty blues kind of thing. Yeah. And if you put an, a, put an upright drop, I was going to say put an upright on it, but I'm going to say drop an upright under it. Yeah. You know, it just supports it. It's very, very cool. You know, so it's cool to see an artist who's capable of kind of shifting Great, around thanks, like man. that, too. So, you know, we've been leading up to this. Um, it's kind of this Europe thing. It's so different yeah. over there. There's a lot of artists, American artists who do really, really well over there. Josh Ritter comes to mind. Yep. Yep. It's a guy who kind of, you know, couldn't couldn't get a gig, couldn't pay to get a gig in New York for a while, it seems yeah. like. And yeah. then he went to Ireland and they just went crazy. Yeah. And then, so he would just go over there and like tour and make money, yeah. and then come live in New York. And yeah, it's become a become a reality for me uh, going over there and doing stuff. You know, while while doing stuff here as well, but just yeah. uh, in terms of make yeah, in terms of making a living touring. Yeah. So how does like how did that happen? Like, <laughs> one day did you did you book a tour? Like, it seems like that's so far away, especially I from the West Coast. I definitely was persistent. I was persistent uh, doing my own calling and bugging and then when anyone would uh you know i I started getting my records put out over there because they did hear about a record coming out and i would just make sure it got put out there and there's uh been like two different labels over there and um and i would also tour with uh uh people i knew were going over when ben harper was going over there i would i would say i I you know i really want to open these shows and I did some of that, but I also just uh, I just persistently kept going back, and I would book, I would did the first couple of booking tours myself, and then I found uh, a really great guy in Switzerland, a really great guy in Switzerland, a really great guy in Italy, and then I got a like label, booking people? label, yep, booking people, and then I got a label in the Netherlands, and um, the same thing happened in Australia. I got something, some stuff starts with getting invited to a festival. Let's say like Australia, I, I got invited to uh, Byron Bay Blues Festival to play, which is great, a big festival. And then in Japan, I got invited to play Fuji Rock Festival, which is really cool. And uh, in Europe, I got asked to uh, play a couple of festivals that were really, you know, more in the Americana thing, but but nice way to keep my name over there. And, yeah, it can be a really lucrative thing. 
yeah. for musicians in America. Like they don't, they think it's so far away. Oh, I can't, you know, if nobody's buying my records here, why would they buy them there? Yeah. We kind of think we're kind of short-sighted as musicians sometimes. You think, but there's a there's a rich uh, desire for like American bands. Yeah, over and in they're Europe psyched and that you made the trip, and they're psyched to meet and greet after and buy CDs. You know, like a. It's more like you know what it's like over there. I'll make the comparison. There in a, in a club, you can get the same feeling as like playing a house concert in the U.S. I, I do a lot of house concerts too, because I'm touring in the U.S. in the middle of a run where you're not quite sure how the club's going to turn out or or the money's going to turn out. You could do a, a house concert where where everyone will pay twenty bucks to get in and the money will go directly to you. Yeah. And at those situations, a lot of times in America, in a house concerts, those people will really want to talk to you after. And you usually sell a lot of CDs and stuff after. And that's sort of similar to anywhere in Europe. Every time you play, there's, there's, they have an interest in, in hanging out and grabbing a copy of a record. It doesn't feel so – it feels old school in that way still over there, which is great. People still are inter- interested in buying records and getting you to sign them and stuff, and it's, it's pretty nice. Well, I'm going to go home and start booking a tour in Europe. Do man. it, man. Get on it. Start. <laughs> that's, that's the way to do it. Is it really – I mean, the, the way – yeah, it starts with like getting, get you know, figuring out like three foothold gigs and then just filling in the blanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that's how anything starts. Persistence is key, man. Yeah, you know, they it's a big one. If you keep showing up sooner or later, they'll let you in. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's true. <laughs> I guess that's kind of how true. everything works in life. That's how Tony Williams got into it. Indeed. So let's <laughs> talk a little about you. One of your musical confidants and one of your personal friends is Ben Harper. Yeah. You guys were you in college together? Well, how I mentioned you... the Claremont thing. It's funny. That's where we did our. Um, uh, it's a long time ago. I mean, 93, 92, we recorded it, and I think it came out in 93, The Pleasure and Pain. Were you in, was, was he in school with you, though? He was. He was a local in town in Claremont. Uh, his grandparents owned the Folk Music Center, a great store there. Okay. And we were introduced by a mutual friend who went to the colleges, too. He's like, you guys got to meet, you know, you got to get together. And we were both, I think both Ben and I were like, yeah, whatever. Uh you know, when someone tells you you got to meet another musician, sometimes you're like, oh, boy, uh, yeah, I wonder, yeah. wonder how it's going to go. And so this is like pre-cell phone days. And I think we both had a pretty he, – he, we both had good outs. I had a friend of mine come knock by the knock by the stu, uh, the store door and be like, hey, Tom, we're going to go to this party. You want to come? And he had his uh, girlfriend at the time calling the store saying, hey, honey. And we blew off both our uh, – we both had an out, and we blew them off, and we ended up playing till like five in the morning. I mean, just burning songs and picking instruments off the wall, and we connected heavily. Yeah, the, the guy was right, our friend Allegheny. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, people that cannot a connection unless you've experienced it firsthand. Because I've had that a couple times in my life with different musicians, yeah. and it's it's an unspoken thing. Like you just yeah. kind of figure it out when you start playing together. Like yeah. I had a guy, my friend Mike, he lives in Florida now. Yeah. We came to get up together in Chicago playing in, in bar bands. I mean, I could go play shows with that guy, just the two of us. You know, yeah. Of course, we had a full band, but if I sometimes we just do duo shows, and he'd play electric guitar, and I'd play acoustic guitar. He could follow me anywhere. Yeah. Like, he knew how I wrote, yeah. and I knew how he played, and we could just go do it's shows. Deal. And it's And it's, it's, a, it's a, like a... I was going to say it's a sixth language, but it might be like a 13th language <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Higher order language. Yeah, 13th harmony. 13th overtone. And you guys have you've stayed friends over the years. Yeah, and he's played on your records, and and have you played on his records too? Yep, I'm on uh, I'm on a live one, and uh, and uh, uh, he's I'm on a, I'm on a live I'm only on a live one of his besides the first one we did, 
in 92. And then I, I, I did a bunch of shows with them out there too, where I'd always yeah. be invited up. And so some of those have made, made records and stuff. Yeah. Um, and we did a really trippy version of uh, Here Comes the Sun recently uh, that was like a single that we made for a like 24-hour free download thing we just yeah. did. It was really cool. I was just playing ukulele and our two voices. Yeah. And then uh, and then he produced uh, that Collapsible Plans record of mine and plays a lot on it as well. Sings sings really nice backups too. Yeah. It's uh, um, and then uh, and he's on he's on one of the new songs in the new record too. It's it's indispensable, like yeah. having a friend, like a musical, like a wingman, yeah, who you can trust musically yeah. and yeah. and humanly, you know, yeah. it's not a word humanly, but in a human fashion, it. so that you know he's going to show up, he or she's going to show up when and where they said they yeah. they will, which in the music business yeah. is actually a big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, and then you know, not be twisted and like get stuff done and be creative yeah. and it, you know when you we find people who are good at those kinds of things hold on to yeah. them because they yeah. can treat them like gold because once you, you Amen. Know, don't burn those bridges man so how yeah. about uh, how about one more tune before we run out of time here sure what's this uh, is this going to be a new tune old tune what's this going to be how about a medium medium new old tune this I'll do something from that fit to screen uh, CD it's a song called truly mellow all right, cool, man. Tom Freund, we are so very happy to have him here in our studio tonight. And be sure to tune in, drop by indepthday.com uh, and check out the Tom Freund page because we're going to have an extra track after this. It's a web-exclusive track that won't be part of tonight's interview, so can't wait to hear what that's all about. So, Tom Freund and Independence Day. This is maybe a song about getting stoned in high school. <laughs> maybe some folks can relate. <laughs> True Mellow, take me down to your hometown. Can't you see, True Mellow, I'm no ordinary clown. I just sit in the dark, yeah, with my jewelry in the box. Cause I like. Way it sounds is truly mellow. True mellow, I enjoy your summer's cool. Can't you see? True mellow, I won't be taken for a fool. I just lie. On the hood of my car Outside the fence To the airport And watch the planes Touching down is truly mellow
Mellow. Take me down to your old school. I was young, true mellow. I didn't play by any rules. I got caught smoking pot in the teacher's parking lot. They took my weed, but not my high, and I was truly mellow. Da da da, da da da, da da da, da da da. Da 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 Truly mellow And at this late stage of the game, it's so hard to come up with another great stoner song <laughs> that like fits in the stoner canon. You know, there's a lot of those songs. We all know what they are. So it's yeah. it seems like low hanging fruit, but to write a good one, thanks man, is, is not it's not easy, man. I was so, going to ask you to sing along at the end. It says does la la la. And everyone goes la la la. It's, oh, a good, yeah. it's a good it's a good one for the for the people in the crowd. Yeah. You know what, man? You have no idea it how many times. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. How many times I sit here and I so desperately want to play along with so many uh, artists. I bet, man. You know, because I jump around in different instruments too. I and bet, like, I bet. You're you know, like, it's like there's those like sessions at West 54th and then there's mm-hmm. there's different shows that have been kind of like that where the, the you know, the, the host would kind of jump, right, in. jump in. I haven't crossed that line. Only once I have a friend who I produced his album yeah. and he came out from Chicago and I played on that. It's the only time I've ever done awesome. that. Awesome. Well, who, who, who did that studio? Was that, was that uh, Talking Heads guy? Um David Byrne. He did that, right? Yeah, did and he John Hyatt. John Hyatt also hosted oh, wow. it as well. I know. Two heavy hitters, two 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 great songwriters. It's Sanborn for some reason I remember doing yeah. it. Yeah. Interesting. Sax so man, you've got some shows coming up here to promote this live record, which is dropping essentially like last. It dropped. <laughs> it dropped. You yeah. didn't hear that? Wait. Yeah. <laughs> Um, In as much as a record drops yeah, these days, that's, yeah, that's the inside term. Self put out. Um, there's been a little press on it, and it's. Uh, I, yeah, I am. Tr- I did. A, I did a little West Side uh, version of a uh, record release at the place called the Del Monte this summer. Earlier this summer, uh, about a month ago, and um, now I'm going to um, do one at the Hotel Cafe in September. We're just figuring out the right date. Oh yeah. And Make sure then, you let us know. We'll yeah, absolutely. We'll talk I like it up. that. Yeah, and then I'm. I know. Uh, what am I playing uh, at the Libero Theater in Santa uh-huh. Barbara with That's Jason right. Isbell, excellent well, artist. And if you haven't checked out, his, if you haven't checked out his new record, are you doing solo for that? Or I'm you... doing solo. Yeah. Okay. His, uh, his I believe new, he is too. I could be wrong. His know. new record is stunning. Well, he's out here on a tour. So okay, he'll be so at the maybe Troubadour. it'll be a band, and I'll open up solo. Yeah. 
Yeah, but his new record is just absolutely stunning. I gotta, I'm going to check it out before I meet him. Uh, one of the best uh, best records of the year. Cool. I'm really going to go, no get, hyperbole, go get that. No hyperbole, no exaggeration. Yeah. Excellent. See, but then you've got a couple shows in New York coming up at the end of the month. That's right. That's uh, right. New York, uh, the Rockwood Music Hall, also the Falcon Arts Center. That's in beautiful Marlboro, New it York. It is. Pretty up there. Uh, and then you're back out here at Santa Barbara doing the Libero Theater with Jason Isbell and his band, the 400 Unit. Then you're off to Germany at the end of September. That's right. Of shows the, and uh, festivals, too? Yeah, there's there's a new festival called Harbor, Harbor Acoustics. And uh, just some dates around. It's a Germany-focused tour. Usually I hit like three countries. I'm just doing Germany. It's like promotion press and uh, uh, radio and uh, about like uh, nine gigs. And then when will we see that new record? Interesting. I I'd hope to have it... Uh, I hope it'd be like a uh, Thanksgiving time or something. Yeah, just in time for the Christmas gift-giving season. Nice, nice. It could nicely fit into a uh, stocking. Yeah, indeed, they do fit into a stocking. <laughs> so, man, it's been so. It's been an hey, honor. Thanks for having me. I'm, I know we we had been we'd been emailing back and forth, but I'm glad we nailed this down. And, yeah. and you were persistent too. And I was always like, I was always into it, just trying to find a, a yeah. hole in the schedule and. That's how it works. We did it. That's how, that's how it works sometimes, man. But it's almost been, on the ten freeway today. I was thinking, oh my yeah. god, we made it this far. I better keep. <laughs> I better stay on. <laughs> yeah, but it's been it's been an honor to have you come on, play Thanks these so tunes, much. learn about your story, and keep us keep us up to date with what's going on. Absolutely. We'll look forward Thanks to that again new for record. Having me. Really cool show. It's been my 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 pleasure. Like TomFreund.com, T O M F R E U N D, and of course InDepthDay.com to see Tom's. Uh, well, see <laughs> hear Tom's episode. Maybe someday we'll get these videos up there, and yeah. also all the other amazing artists we've had on here. So. Thanks to Tom Freund, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton, and as always to Valentino Rivera from Lancer Radio. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong, and please be good to one another.